Isn't that awesome? Isn't that good? You know, over in Romans chapter 8, you don't have to turn there, verse 37, Paul ended that wonderful chapter by saying, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, now notice this, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus said, no man shall be able to pluck us out of our Father's hand. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, Father, we come before you tonight and we're just so grateful that you are able to cause us to stand. The psalmist said about a righteous man, not that he never falls, but that God, that, that he rises up again and again and the Lord upholds him. So, Father, we just so thank you, Father God, that in all of our journeys, that God, that you are keeping us, that you are strengthening us, you're lifting our countenance, you are filling us with your joy, your peace, your power. Father, we just are so grateful to have this moment and this opportunity to be in the Word together. I just pray, as I have already this afternoon, that God, that you'll just use me to help. Use me to be a blessing to these, your sheep, tonight. I just so thank you for the supply of every single one of them that they are to me. Uh, in love, in fellowship, in prayers, in service, as we join arm in our arm, linked up, serving the Lord in these last days. Father, we need to learn, myself included, better, more, more accurately, how to be led by your Spirit, how to hear your voice, because God, we're living in some dangerous days. We're walking through some treacherous times. But I thank you that you've sent the Holy Ghost to live and indwell us on the inside. You have not left us orphaned. You have not left us alone. We have the all-knowing. We have the comforter, the helper, our teacher, our counselor, our standby, our advocate, our guide on the inside. And so I thank you, Father God, for uh, continuing to unveil the Word of God to us the principles, the laws, the nuggets, the insights, the utterances that will help people out there become more skillful. That God, that I'll go home and I'll have heard something come out of my mouth tonight that will help me become more sensitive, more skillful in hearing your voice. Instead of missing leadings, we're accurate. Instead of veering off and getting in trouble, that no, Father God, we're staying right on course. And God, I thank you that you are our shepherd and that you have a shepherd's hook. And that for all of us, God, if we tend to veer off the wrong way, that you'll just gently take that shepherd's hook and draw us back over into the safety of the sheepfold. Lord, I just so thank you for all of this tonight. I thank you that you're giving the people an ear to hear and an eye to see, a heart that grabs hold. They've got the mind to be a doer of the Word of God. I believe that they have a sense of the hour they're living in, the moment that we're living in. And that, God, that we're pressing and that, God, you are accelerating our development. We thank you for it tonight. Be glorified in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, glory to God. I hope you could just settle in there and give me 25 or 30 minutes more of your time tonight. Maybe a little bit more. Praise God, depending on uh, the flow and how we go. We've been talking the last a couple of Wednesday nights now 
about a series that I started a couple of weeks ago that I'm calling He Leads Me. Aren't you glad that we have this abiding, unwavering, unbreakable promise from God that Jesus will lead us? So if you're uh, there over in Psalm 23, that's where we're taking our uh, text and sort of using this as a jump off point uh, as we teach on this wonderful subject. Glory to God, if you've missed the last couple of services, I strongly encourage you to go back. We have them on the podcast. Uh, they're archived on our Facebook, our YouTube channels. Uh, wouldn't cost you anything. Uh, be studied up, be prayed up, praise God, and be moving forward in sync with us together. Glory to God. If you're here out there with us for the very first time, praise God. My name is Dr. Chris Cody. I'm the senior pastor here at World Harvest Church. So glad to have you uh, on this forum. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me, there's the title of our series, beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now why? Not because we're something great, but because we're not alone. The psalmist David said, For you are with me, your rod, I just mentioned that, and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I haven't met a person out there, Christian or not, that doesn't want or doesn't like the idea of having goodness follow them, mercy follow them all the days of their life. You know, but this just occurred to me. I don't think I've ever had this thought before. It's really goodness and mercy are only going to follow us because we are following the Lord. You know, goodness and mercy following the Lord everywhere He goes. You know, I want the spillover, splashover, you know, blessing and effect of being where Jesus is and where He's leading me. I want to read this uh, passage of Scripture to you uh, from the New Living Translation. Let me scroll up to it uh, here in my notes. I think you'll like this. Psalm 23, verse 1 through 3 in the New Living says it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Glory to God. You know, in any given moment, test or trial in my life, my ministry... I have not always had all I wanted. Amen. But I have always had all that I needed in that moment. And as I just hung in there steadfast in faith, God got me what I wanted. Uh, praise God. But I like that rendering. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths. Notice what the psalmist David said according to this. He leads me. He guides me. Do you believe it today? He leads me. He guides me. You know, that doesn't mean that you're going to have uh, perfect knowledge and that you won't have any questions in your life. Amen? I certainly am not that way. You know, there are periodically things that have come into my life. I... Uh, this is a sensitive subject to me, uh, praise God. You know, but when Amber and I conceived our first child, uh, that child um, didn't develop, you know. 
And uh, I know that life begins at conception, so there was a life there. But the time, by the time we went for our first ultrasound, we had that crushing disappointment of not getting to see what we expected to see. And that, you know, and did, did I have questions when I came home? You bet I did. Do I have all the answers even now about that situation today? No, I don't. Do I believe the Lord's good? Absolutely, I know He is. Amen? And it's, it's never uh, inappropriate to be reminded who the author of sickness, disease, loss, trouble, affliction, pressures. You know, John 10, 10 says that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You know, one of the things that I do like about myself, I think, is that I don't dwell too long on my mistakes and my failures. I mean, why? You know, what I just do is uh, I do inquire of the Lord because I want to learn. I don't want to just keep beating my head against the wall and making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And part of the Lord being our shepherd and leading us is that He'll help us not make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Amen. So I know if something happened in my life I don't like, it was disappointing, I didn't expect that, how did that happen? I'm certainly not pointing my bony finger at the Lord saying, what happened? You know, uh, praise God. I know the devil is behind anything that steals from me, robs from me, hurts me, hinders me, uh, affects my family, affects my church. I know that's the devil that did that. I also know that I can open the door to him. Doesn't make me bad, doesn't make me evil, just makes me human just like you. Praise God. Uh, amen. But uh, don't beat yourself up too much. Just learn whatever you can learn. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, he said uh, one thing, one thing I've got figured out, and that is forgetting those things which lie behind, and I just press on to the things that lie ahead. And there is much to lie ahead that lies ahead, and we need to be pressing toward it. Amen. But I like the fact that I have this promise in God's Word that God leads me and that God guides me. Praise God. You know, believer, I want to remind you that it is not only every child of God's privilege to be led by the Spirit. It is your responsibility. It is your responsibility. You know, there have been times in my life where I wanted to blame other people for the outcome of a decision I made. Amen. And uh, even if I followed what I thought was spiritual counsel. Uh, amen. But I have a responsibility in my life. It's uh, being led by the Spirit. It's not only a wonderful, supernatural, divine privilege, but it is also my responsibility. Amen. And we should take that privilege and that responsibility very, very seriously. Amen. Praise God. Uh, you know, let's go over here. I want to actually have you turn here. You could go to Second Chronicles with me. Second Chronicles uh, chapter 14. I'm going to spend uh, just a couple of minutes here talking about a principle. You know, David is the one who penned this wonderful psalm, Psalm 23, the psalmist David did. And uh, I, know, I know Rex agrees. You know, if we get raptured and we go to heaven together... I think Rex and I are going to go arm in arm. We're going to make a beeline for David because we want to have a conversation. <laughs> we want to have a conversation with David. David has to be this interesting guy, right? I mean, you know, our introduction to him is 
he is really a, the youngest of his father, uh, of his children, you know, of Jesse's sons. Wasn't even thought by his father worthy enough to show up to be considered the next king of Israel. Uh, was a sign. So he's this sheep herder, uh, this worshiper, uh, this, uh, you know, instrument player. But he was passionate about the Lord. The Lord was passionate about him. But there was a killer in this young man, David. And the first opportunity he had to show it was uh, on the battlefield in front of all these scared shoulder, uh, soldiers and ran out and took the head off a nine-foot giant. I mean, we're talking about an interesting guy. Praise God. And yet he pens this wonderful psalm. Well, as I thought about the psalmist David today, one of the keys to David's success, you know, we, we can find some, some moments in David's life where he missed it and where he failed. You know, the Bible is, uh, it doesn't lie. You know, it'll tell the good and it'll tell the bad on you. Praise God. And it records many, many of David's victories. And there are many more than his failures and defeats. But what you see and what you can see throughout the Old Testament in David's life is that David, the key to his success was that before he did something major, most of the time, he prayed about it. He, he didn't do anything major. He didn't commit troops to battle for the most part unless he inquired of the Lord. And uh, you, could, you could read about that in Psalm 123. You could read about it in Psalm 130. And this is actually not about David, but in 2 Chronicles 14, verse 7, we have an example of what I'm talking about. In verse 7, it says, Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities, and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we... Now notice this, because we have sought the Lord our God... Excuse me, we have sought Him and He has given us, come on, this is what everybody's looking for, rest on every side, so they built and they prospered. Now I know whatever you're building, a, a life, a family, a home, a business, a career, you want that to prosper and you want to have rest on every side. You want God to make sure that things go well for you. Amen. Well, notice here this nugget. Why did God, was He able to bless them with rest on every side that they were able to build and to prosper? Well, because they inquired of the Lord. They sought God before they set out to do something. You know, in one instance, you can see where uh, David, he's got this... Uh, band of valiant men. It was a few hundred, then 400, then 600, praise God. And uh, they were as much killers as he was. And uh, praise God. But it, it, would, it would record in the scriptures, David would go before the Lord and say, Lord, should I bring my troops against, should I come against these Philistines? Should I go and rescue Keilah? And, and the Bible would say, the Lord said unto him, yes, for I have given the Philistines into thine hand, go and rescue Keilah. Well, see, David could now move and commit his people and commit his troops with great confidence because he's got a word from God. He knows that victory is assured before he takes his sword out of his spear because he's got the mind of God on what he is to be doing. Well, chapter 2 later, here we are again with another opportunity to uh, go to battle against the Philistines. But before he does, 
the Bible says that David went and inquired of the Lord. Lord, should I, would you give, is it your will? Should I go and commit troops? Should I go to battle against these Philistines? And again, the word of the Lord came to David saying, Yes, commit your troops, for I have given the Philistines in this battle to your hand. And so, of course, there was a great victory. And then David, the Bible records one of his few failures. And here's what obviously happened. David inquired of the Lord about the Philistines, and the Lord said yes. Then the second time, David inquired, he went and prayed to the Lord about going to battle against the Philistines. God says yes. Well, the third time, David, he assumed. He did not go back and inquire of the Lord. He did not do what he did before. He just assumed that because God said yes twice before, it's the same enemy and he's the same person that God was going to give him the victory. He committed his troops and got his butt kicked. So what's the lesson, Chris? What's the lesson? Never presume anything of the Lord before you commit your troops, before you commit your money, before you commit your family, before you make that decision, always inquire of the Lord. Who is, who does the shepherd lead? Who is our shepherd Jesus actively guiding? Those that are seeking him for that. Those that are seeking him for that. You know, one thing I have learned studying and in my experience walking with the Lord, there's just something about him. He's not a forcer. He isn't going to make you or me follow Him. We have to voluntarily put the steering wheel, put the reins of our life, our family, our finances, our business into the Lord's hand. We have to say, would you lead? Would you take the lead, please, sir? I am happy to follow. I'm happy to follow. Amen. Uh, glory to God. So this is one of the great attributes we see about David's life. Now you're there in 2 Chronicles, so go to the 26th chapter of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 26, and here we have, it's not David, but it's another uh, Israel king named, excuse me, coffee getting to me here, uh, Uzziah. And God was able to use and bless Uzziah for the most part, his life, his tenure as king. In 2 Chronicles 26, 5, this is what it says. And he, Uzziah, sought God in the days of Zechariah, meaning that the major prophet in the land for Israel that, at that time was Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long, oh come on, you might want to take note of that, as long as he, King Uzziah, sought the Lord... God made him to prosper. Now again, we all want rest on every side. We want God to give us victory in our battles. Come on, we want uh, to be able to build and things go well. But notice here that Israel and Uzziah's prosperity was conditional. What was it conditioned on? It was conditioned on as long as Uzziah sought the Lord... God, I like this, God made him to prosper. God made him to prosper. Ain't no one going to stop your prosperity if God is making you prosper. Amen? And so I just renewed myself in my uh, 
uh, praise God, in my commitment uh, to, to live less distracted, less pulled aside, less busy, and to make sure <laughs> that I'm not presuming anything about the Lord and His will for my life, my ministry. Glory to God. You know, I don't know how David felt, but when even in the greatest victories that David had, you, sometimes you lose a guy or two in battle. And any commander, any military officer, even if you have a great victory, it's going to weigh on you when you commit your troops to battle and not everybody comes home. When somebody's harmed, you know. And so even as a pastor, if when I commit my troops, glory to God, I want everybody coming home. I want everybody blessed. And so this just blesses me to be reminded that part of being led by God is that it's my job to seek Him. You know, if you want, if we think we're just going to live life, we're just going to get up every day and get hurried and throw our britches on, tire boots and get out there and be busy and just trust God to write it in the sky, to blindly protect us, to intervene, to speak to us. That is not how it works. God talks to those who talk to Him. God talks to those who talk to Him. And God talks to those about things that people bring up to Him. Now, I have had God break in on me at times and say, Hey, bud, have you considered this? Broke in on me about something totally unexpected. But the vast majority of the time, when I hear from God, I have brought something before Him. And if I don't bring it before Him... I'm not hearing him about that. Amen. So, you know, what's not going perfect for you in your life? What, what is not clicking for you? Are you talking to the Lord about that? Is your marriage not where you want it to be? Are you talking to the Lord about that? And I don't mean just complaining about your mate because God is going to deal with you in that moment. But God will help you and he will help me. But it's up to us, you know, and, and this is why I think God is like this. Now, I could be wrong. Amen. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just me. I'm just a guy. Praise God. But this is why I think. The fact that we would bring it before the Lord shows at least a tiny bit of interest on our part. And I'm so convinced the reason more of us don't get more from God is because we're not interested we don't hurt enough in our bodies to get serious about healing scriptures. You know, I actually remember my pastor saying that in a testimony one time that she went through this extended season with this pain in her back. And, you know, she kind of going through the motions and doing stuff and staying busy. And yeah, she'd quote a scripture here or there. And then finally she brought it up to the Lord. Lord, what is the deal with my back? And the rest, then God spoke. He didn't speak to her until she mentioned her back to him. And she said that when she did bring it before the Lord, bring it up as an issue before the Lord, the Lord did speak. He spoke right away and this is what he said. You're not hurting bad enough. That's your problem. You're not hurting bad enough. Wow. Well, you know when God speaks to you, you know what, you know what he means. And she knew what he meant. What did he mean? You're not hurting bad enough. Well, what he meant was... This hasn't affected you enough 
to get seriously interested about throwing that pain off of your life. You know, a lot of times stuff we didn't think would happen would show up in our life. And you go, well, I believe in healing. How, come, how did this get in? Well, how vigorously have we been using our faith and our words in that area? Could just be as simple as that. I was uh, listening to Dr. Jacobs preach on the subject of divine healing recently. He said, you know, the problem with many Christians is they believe in divine healing, but they don't take time to take their medicine. The Word of God. You know, uh, you might have, say, I believe in this bottle of Tylenol's ability to take the edge off my headache, but if you never swallow the Tylenol, it's not going to do you any good. People believe in divine healing, and, that, and they got it in their head that uh, that equals believing they receive. And it really doesn't. And so my point was, is God didn't even talk to her about her back until she brought it up. And then His correction to her was, if you'll get serious about my word, get more aggressive about that. She did, and that pain was quickly thrown off. So a lot of times we're suffering things that we ought not be suffering. I've been there. Because it's not affected in a, us to the degree that we're willing to stop our busy lifestyle and do what we need to do about it. Praise God. So I like this word inquire, inquire the Lord. That word means to search out diligently. I like this, it means to frequent. You know, if you're interested in some, it's, it's a frequent thing. Glory to God. And uh, so praise God, I like that. Let's go back to that thought. Uzziah said, it says about Uzziah, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. You know, I understand that later on in Uzziah's life, he stopped seeking God. Guess when his prosperity began to wane? <laughs> when he stopped seeking the Lord. So child of God, understand this. Be reminded, our victory, our prosperity is tied to our seeking the Lord. And I can't do your seeking God for you. I can do what I'm doing right now and bring this up and admonish and encourage and read scriptures and challenge. That's what I can do. But I can only do my seeking. I cannot do your seeking. But see, as we inquire of God concerning the decisions and the directions of our life, thank God we can trust God to answer our prayers and to make His will known to us. Glory to God. Amen. Go over in your Bible over to the New Testament. Let's shift gears here and let's spend just a couple of minutes talking more about identifying the witness of the Spirit the number one way, other than the written word, that God is going to lead a child of God, a born-again believer today, is by what we call the inward witness. Now, in previous services, we've highlighted that scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we're headed. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 14 that talks about that the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And then the 16th verse says, of course that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are a child of God. So I'm saying this on purpose. I'm being redundant on purpose. Man is a three-part being. 
He is first and foremost a spirit like God. Then God gave man to possess a soul, which is also made up of three components. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay? And then, and that's an eternal part of you too, spirit and soul. But then we live in this body of flesh. This body of flesh. Now, every member of your being has its own voice. Every member of your being has its own voice. Now, I'm going to make a statement, but I want to read this verse here in 1 Thessalonians 5, in verse number 23. Glory to God. Paul says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means completely. W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray God, now notice this, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming or appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Love this verse because it points out the three parts of your being, spirit, soul, and body. So Paul first starts at the, uh, the born again part, the innermost part, and then he works his way to the outside. Amen. Now, when we want to be led by God, let me, make, let me make this statement to you. Spiritually, a mark, a characteristic, a trait of a spiritually mature Christian is this. They get really good at knowing where things come from. Amen. So the whole goal of this is, I've made statements in services prior to this, We've got to gain skill and mastery over being led by the Spirit so that we don't get taken out in these last days. Because it's going to take navigating these treacherous waters by the Spirit. And this is a practiced, learned skill. Amen. A practiced, learned skill. And so we must gain skill at this. So a mark of a person who's gained some mastery and some skill in being led by the Spirit is learning how to identify the different parts of our being and where things are coming from, okay? So let me make a few statements here from, you, uh, from my notes. Where are some of the, what are some of the possibilities? <laughs> uh, what are the different stimuluses, right, or influences that we have to filter through to get all the way down to a pure leading from the Spirit. You say, well, this sounds complicated. Well, it's really not, but you got to know some things, okay? So number one, understand, we're talking about where things come from, different influences that might want to influence your decision or your direction. Number one, thoughts and suggestions can come, they can land on your mind from the outside in. Has this happened to you before? If you've walked the planet very much, you know this has happened to you before. You're in your own mode, you're not in active thought about that thing, and then all of a sudden, a thought lands on your mind. Okay, well if you weren't actively thinking that, and it came from the outside, landed on your mind. Where did it come from? That's the mark of a spiritually mature person is they're beginning to recognize where things come from. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a percentage of 90 plus percent of the time. The originator of that is a demonic spirit that you can't see. 
It's either attempting to harass you, influence you, or tempt you. You go along minding your own sweet holy business and an unholy thought land on your mind. I mean, it's not even like you saw a pretty girl on the sidewalk. I mean, you're just walking along minding your own business and wham, right? Uh, So for instance, you know, I don't know when it started, but all through my late teenage years, you know, 17, 18, 19, part of my 20th year maybe, Nah, maybe I was over with it by then. I was harassed by this unwelcome, uninvited thought, and this is the way it would land on my mind. I am going to kill you. It was in the third person. If it was me, it would be, maybe I should kill myself. But that's not how this was happening. This unwelcome, uninvited thought would land on my mind from the outside. And it tormented me. It followed me around. I didn't know back then what I know today, that there is a very, very intensely real yet unseen world. And there are fallen beings that live in that world called demonic spirits. And they will whisper all kinds of things to you in your mind. Well, obviously, friends, I can't spend all my time on that. But do you want to be led Is that where our leadings are supposed to come from? Ooh, well, that didn't come from me. That must be whatever pet name you want to call it. No, the vast majority of the time, that's going to be a demonic spirit attempting to influence you, harass you, or tempt you. Now, what else could it be? Well, it could be an angel from God. And well, how would you know the difference? Well, the way you would judge all other words or influences or leadings. Does it fit with the word and spirit of the scripture? And does it bear a positive, peaceful witness in your spirit? Everything else you should just kick out. So that's number one. You've got to identify where these things are coming from. That's not where we want to be led. All right. Number two, there are self-generated thoughts of our own mind. We're in a mode of thought. Hmm, wonder what I wonder how I'm going to fix that, how I'm going to solve that problem. We're actively thinking. That's not a leading though. That's not God leading you. And according to our study, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Notice what he didn't say. He doesn't bear witness with our minds, and he doesn't bear witness with our bodies. He bears witness with our spirits. So while you're in that mode and you're grinding it out and you're hoping God is going to climb up in that and lead you, that is not where the leading's going to come. There's a place for thought and thinking. But that's not where the leading's going to come from. So you've got to have enough self-awareness to know, what am I doing right now? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Praise the Lord. Okay. Number three. There are raw, real emotions that we feel. I feel angry. I feel joyful. I feel exuberant. I feel like celebrating. I feel depressed. I feel down. I feel uh, foreboding. I feel insecure. All of those ranges of emotions, they are emotions. They flow out of the soul. 
And therefore, that's not where your leading is going to come from. So many Christians, they are emotionally invested in a direction. They're emotionally invested in a dating relationship. They're emotionally invested in this idea that they conjured up. And they're going to quickly convince themselves God's leading them to do it. But that's, then it doesn't work out right and they're confused. Because that's not where the witness of the Spirit comes from. Spiritually mature people in this area... They are good identifiers of where things are coming from. Listen, if it's an emotion, that's what it is. Feel it. Manage it. Process it. Enjoy it if it's good. Manage it if it's not good. But don't call it a leading, okay? Number four, there are cravings and appetites of the body. Now that's easy to detect, right? I gotta have a cigarette and I gotta have one now. Whatever, that's not me talking. I'm talking for you maybe out there. Glory to God. I got to have a box of donuts and I got to have it now. Right? The appetites, the lusts of our flesh. I haven't gotten enough sleep. I want more sleep. You know, those are easy to detect. Okay? But the fact that you're in a church service and you got a goosebump right there, that's not God leading you. That's just your body reacting, maybe to the presence of God, but amen. We are not led by our bodies, okay? So I've given you four different sources of influence. And listen, they can all bombard us, right? We could be in a vein of thought and then we're having all these emotions and our cravings of our flesh are inflamed. And then Satan piles on with all of these unwelcome, uninvited thoughts that are landing on our minds. And oh my God, in the midst of it all, what is God saying? Welcome to the party. Amen? Well, where is the leading of the Lord in all of that? It is the Holy Spirit testifying, working a work, giving us an assurance in our spirit. Now, why did God put it there? You ought to be glad He put the witness of your spirit in your spirit. Now, why? Because it's the safest place for Him to put it. Because your spirit, my spirit, is the one place... Satan and demons cannot mimic, it can't touch it, it can't influence. My spirit is totally shielded from the devil. You know, all of the other leadings, Satan can counterfeit all other leadings. There are other forms of divine guidance. You could have a vision, you could have a dream, you could hear a voice. But see, the enemy, amen, he can, he can work in circumstances. You might say, okay, God, well, if this is the girl you want me to marry, cause three yellow canary-colored Volkswagens to drive by my window in the next ten minutes. And he can make that happen, the devil. And you just married a hag outside of God's will because you put a fleece out there. <laughs> Amen. Or you just married Mr. Jerk because, you know, the devil can manipulate all of those different arenas. Are you with me? Listen, Satan has access. He has a degree of access to your soul. You know Satan and demons can make you feel certain things. A demon can come along and make you feel sad. A demon can come along and make you feel fear. And if you respond to that, right? So the spirit of fear touches your emotions and you back off the direction you were going. Well, you were just led by the devil. I've been there. I hope you're getting something out of this. 
the, the wonderful, God is so wise, the reason He put the Spirit of God in our spirit is because it is the one part of our being Satan cannot mess with it. He cannot mess with it. Praise God. Okay, got another minute or two? Go to Romans chapter 9. So the whole kitten caboodle, the jackpot, the lottery ticket, the win is how do I filter out all of these other things I ought to be ignoring and not calling a leading of the Spirit and identify the witness of the Spirit. Amen. And I know we talked some about this last week, but we're going to add some things to it before we run out of time. Glory to God. All right. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse number 1. says Paul says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. Now notice this. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Wow. Now here's a, here's a little nugget that will really bless you and help you. Remember I said every member of your being, your body, your soul, and your spirit, they each have their own voice. They each have their own voice. What is the voice of your body? Well, it's cravings and it's appetites, it's lusts. That's your body speaking to you. It may not be English, but your body knows how to let you know, I'm hungry. I want that. Let's do that. Let's go there. I want to buy that. Your flesh will let you know. All right? Then you have your soul. Okay? What is the voice of the soul? Very simple. Reasonings and thoughts. Reasonings and thoughts. That's the voice of your soul. And thank God for it. Thank God for all the good it can do you. But your soul, your mind, your thoughts doesn't contain the knowledge of God. God knows everything about everyone and every situation. <laughs> he has been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, wrote the script, watched the movie. Amen. But His voice in your life is not your mind. Well, you only have one part of you left. That's your spirit. What is the voice of your spirit? I just read it to you. Your conscience. And every single one of you out there, I don't care if you got born again two minutes ago, you know what I mean when I say your conscience. So, you know, you're going along and, you're, and you've just decided, I'm doing that. I am doing that. I am lying to my mom and dad tonight. I am sneaking out. I am going to that party. And that's the voice of your mind. <laughs> but down on the inside of you, there is something called your conscience, and it will also talk to you. And it will scratch you, and it will gnaw at you. And it may not be English, but it'll be saying in you, don't do that. That's not right. We're not that person. Don't go there. Don't do that. That is the voice of your spirit. Now for the born-again Christian who is a new creation in Christ, who is not practicing gross sin, your conscience is the voice of your spirit and it is a safe guide. Amen. Notice 
Let's read Romans 8.16 and then 9.1 back to back. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I'm just going to read the first half of that. The Spirit Himself bears witness with my spirit. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Notice now for the Christian, the Holy Ghost is now influencing and at work with your conscience on the inside. So how can I, pastor, be accurately led, supernaturally led by the Spirit of God? Simply this. Never, never, never violate your conscience. Don't violate your conscience. I mean, if you can't say it, do it. Go that direction. Date that person. Um, read that book. Watch that movie. If you can do that and be totally peaceful, pure, and undisturbed in your conscience, assuming your conscience is not seared, then your conscience is leading you and guiding you. Your spirit and the Holy Ghost in your spirit is giving you permission to go that way, do that, participate, date that way, whatever. That's got to line up with the Bible. You understand that. Amen. But this is just real simple. Many, many things your conscience won't let you say. I mean, if you'll pay attention to it, your conscience won't let you say that, won't let you drink that, won't let you watch that. And that is all your spirit endeavoring to take the lead. So how do I be good at discerning where things come from? The bigger the decision, the weightier the matter. It's not just a matter of what do I think about it. You know, we do a lot of that. Well, here's what I think. Here's what I think. Here's how I think. Well, how's that working out for us all? Praise God. The smartest among us does not know what God knows. And you just can't put all the variables and all the nuggets and all the things in your computer up there to figure it all out to get the divine answer. So how can I act even as a baby Christian in a way that is safe? In a way that I can trust while I'm growing? Simply this. Never violate your conscience. You know, and it's funny. Some of us have extremely sensitive consciences. I've never met anyone, I don't think, more... I thought I had a sensitive conscience. But you meet my son Rex. Oh my, oh my goodness. Uh, praise God. My son Rex is so precious. He has got a sensitive conscience. Praise God. But he's also very accurate in being led in things. And uh, praise God. So... If we have a sensitive conscience like that, you need to thank God. You need to thank God. And you and I need to make it a goal to have a more sensitive conscience. Because when we talk about being dull of hearing spiritually, we need to define that. Really what that means is, is I have so gotten into the habit of ignoring and overriding my conscience 
that I can't even hear it anymore. The Bible, I don't have time to take you there tonight, but the Bible talks, if you just do a word study in the New Testament on conscience, it's probably about 20 scriptures there, and it will be a very enlightening study. Paul told Timothy that some Christians who were once in good standing, who were profitable, who were beneficial for ministry, they are now on the junk heap of the spiritual life because they threw off faith and a pure conscience. People's lives have been made shipwreck because they threw away from themselves their own conscience so that they could give their flesh and their carnal mind what it wanted. To satisfy a craving, to go with a feeling, to follow an emotion. They overrode their conscience to satisfy those other influences. And if you make that a lifestyle and a habit, you won't know even what I'm talking about right now. But you can recover yourself. You can recover yourself, but you're just going to have to get into the plain text of the Word and be a black and white person and stop living the way you've been living and get your mind renewed. Stop doing the sinful things you've been doing. And just like calluses on your hand, if you stop working so hard, your hands will grow soft. Praise God. Apparently right now for Chris, it's not been too bad of a year. I have pretty sensitive palms right now. But I have had, I have had seasons of my life where you could take a dull pocket knife and hack away at that, never get to the live part of the skin, so calloused over. So tonight, we'll just end with this. We can't, we can't get to everything. It's just too vast of a subject. But here's what you could do. Part of identifying the witness of the Holy Ghost, following the inward witness in your spirit, is listening for what is your conscience telling you and following that. Become a follower and an obeyer of your conscience. And if you find yourself you've overridden your conscience, quickly repent. Quickly repent. I want to maintain a soft, pure, sensitive conscience so that all the Spirit of God needs to do in my life is just whisper. Just a little movement one way or the other and I've picked it up. And maybe you won't get there overnight depending on your lifestyle, but you'll get there. You'll get that. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, I'm looking forward to getting to see your faces next Wednesday night as we teach on this subject. I don't believe we're near, near done. But I think we've, uh, we've been on long enough tonight. Praise God. Father, I just uh, lift up the congregation, the people, the believers under the sound of my voice tonight.